Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. Con Kenturk, and um, I recently met Con online and Facebook and some of the the racer forums that we have on there, and uh, we connected and chatted for a while on my road trip recently to VIR, and I'd really like to to learn more about Con, share your story, and and I know your race, I know you're involved in the racing community, so um, can you tell me just a little bit, um, you know, what What's your world right now for, for motorsports? Um, right now, I race Honda Challenge uh, in the Class H2 with the National Auto Sports Association in the NASA Mid-Atlantic region. Um, I'm on my second car, but I got my rookie license in 2019. So the first one sort of died a ugly death or not really ugly. It was just a fatigue issue when you buy old used cars, used race cars. So we had, my wife and I took yep. a little adventure and built a brand new car. So I wasn't, we weren't giving up. Oh so my. So that, you have a background in building cars? Well, um, so that, that started a long time ago. Um, I was in college. I went to James Madison university. I helped start a car club there called Madison Motorsports. And in that time, we spent a lot of time doing autocrosses with the Blue Ridge chapter of the SCCA. NASA Virginia was starting and you could do volunteer work. So I started doing corner working, uh, mostly to earn credits so I could eventually drive on track. So we're talking back in 2000, 2002 timeframe. And um, when I got out of college, I didn't really want to get into the corporate world and I took a trade. So, you know, mountains of student loan debt and here I go, I wanted to become a welder. So that's the trade I decided to start learning and I did. And then NASA, uh, Chris Cabetto at NASA, Virginia at the time, now NASA mid Atlantic, he was like, Oh, you're a welder. You should work in the tech shed. At least you can inspect the welds on the cages and things like that. And it snowballed from there where I worked in the NASA Mid-Atlantic tech shed for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And in that time, when you're volunteering and working with an organization, it doesn't matter which one it is, SCCA, NASA, Gridlife, that everybody's a family, right? And everybody, you start yeah. to see the same people and you're like, oh, this car changed from last year or... Oh, why did you do this? Why did you build your cage this way? And so I got a lot of, a lot of, um, information. The, the paddock is a wealth of information. And if you're friendly enough, when you're in a tech shed, sometimes you're not that friendly. So, but if you're friendly enough, eventually <laughs> they'll, they will, um, share with you. And I was fortunate. Um, I ended up being co-chief of tech with Richard Mitchum 
who ran Mitchum Motorsports and they did a lot of IMSA stuff. So he started sharing with me as I was trying to work less and drive more. And so we, I worked my way through the HPD ranks and um, decided to start racing. So when you said you were learning more, what, what, what were you learning? Just how to, how to run a team, how to race, how to, I mean, you'd already mastered the welding piece, right? Yeah. And, and to be honest, I didn't weld, uh, my cages in my car. I left that to a professional mostly cause I didn't want to spend money for a pipe bender. What I learned was the importance of a race program, what it actually meant, um, what it takes to be successful learning from professionals, your, the level of preparation, the car needs to be at how to do things like how do you take your tire temperatures across the, the face of the tire. And then what does it mean? I learned all those things. Um, I learned about weight distribution, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, why did you put the battery right there? Or why did he put the battery all the way near the passenger rear taillight while you have it in the floorboard, say of a sedan, you know, in the rear passenger side of the sedan, not all the way in the back. So people just started sharing information and why they did things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned the differences between tires. I learned the differences. I mean, obviously I knew about flagging and things like that, but line of sight, um, some of the things I would face on track, they would tell stories. And so I was, I was just a sponge. I, I loved being a sponge. I still do. So, I mean, of all the cars, so you did a lot of, um, high performance driving education, uh, driving. And then, um, you said you got into the car, you, you kind of earned your way into the car a little bit more. Were you, were you racing or what were you doing whenever you were kind of earning time in the car? Oh, I was actually earning free HPDE time, high performance driver education time. So it was work two weekends, Got it. get one weekend of driving, well, driving, learning. You're, you're driving while you're learning, yeah. but if your focus yeah. isn't on the learning part, the driving stuff, you can do lap days all day long. You can just, even with a, the poor instructor sitting in your right seat, if you don't bring the right attitude and the right mental outlook for that weekend, you're not going to learn. You have to be that sponge. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yep. um, I was, I'd work a couple of events, drive a couple of events, work a couple of events, drive a couple of events. And, um, I started off in a 1990 CRX. Um, I started blowing up motors in that car on the street, never on the track. Um, but I went through four motors in two years and it was a little pricey. So, and I was still, still young, not making a lot of money. Um, I work with a, a lot of folks hit me up. Um, they want to know how I got where I am, what I'm doing. And one of my big takeaways is racing is a lifestyle. You need to start sacrificing other things in your life especially if you think money is the object. If money is the object that is hindering your ability to go race, because that's what you want to do, you got to really look at what you're doing. I make a lot of sacrifices yep. to race. 
and, and my coworkers even notice it. We'll be out, we'll have a big function, right? Everybody comes into the, for a, whatever, some sort of training and they go, Cotton, come out with us to eat. Nope. I packed my lunch. I pack my lunch every day. I pack my coffee. I pack my breakfast. I pack snacks. I definitely don't just buy them from the convenience store. You know, we budget for all that stuff. And if you're not disciplined enough, that's going to hinder your ability to put the money behind you. And I think that's a big deal. Um, that's everybody's thing. Everybody said it. Now, I also had to put driving on hold and, and my racing on hold. Um, you know, I had family obligations and I basically took 10 years of not driving. I still worked. I volunteered, um, because I wanted to be there and learn, but I couldn't drive. I couldn't afford the tires, the brakes and everything. But as soon as I could, I was back at it. Yeah. That, yeah. I, that, that's definitely true. You know, I, I'm taking off this year because it's really a money situation and I want to focus on the podcast. Um, but it's still good to be in touch and as close as I can possibly be to the racing community while I do this. So that's kind of give me hope. But I'm always looking and relooking on how I can cut expenses to extend the runway a little bit longer so that I have an opportunity to really um, put myself in the best position so that I can go racing. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you for, for the, for the, um, for the type of racing that you do um, just for other people who have no idea, what does it cost you right now for a, about a year of racing with, and how many races do you do a year? So, my race schedule is solely dependent on um, how much I want to travel. I don't look at it as a yearly budget. I look at it as a by-year budget, or not a by-year budget, sorry, a by-month budget or a by-event budget. So in my original race car, mm -hmm. the first, the car that I went through my last couple of events in high performance driving education. I went through comp school in it and I raced it for two years or so. It was costing about $1,200 an event. That's entry fees. I do not buy food at the track. The worst thing I do at the track is buy ice for my cooler and I would budget down to the bag of ice by event. Um, but it was right around $1,200. Now I race predominantly at two tracks, Summit Point Raceway here in wild, wonderful West Virginia. Well, I say here, I'm, I'm 30 minutes away. And then down at Virginia International Raceway in Danville. The Danville tow, the dinner that's associated on the way home, all that stuff. Cause I do, we do go out when we're on the tow home. Um, maybe picking up lunch on the way down. So those, those increase the cost. So that, that used to run around 14, $1,500 and it would be about $800 to run at some point close. Yep. And, but I was very particular. I knew how fast I was chewing through tires. I made educated decisions on my brake pads because that the 
I would have, I had a high burn rate on my first year of the car. I was running a certain brand, um, of pad and it was, I was replacing pads every two events at $180 a set. I was replacing rotors while cheap, still another 20, $25 a, a piece. So add another 50 where I changed brake pads. My braking performance increased and I changed them every year and a half, both items. I haven't yet oh, to crack wow. a rotor <laughs> and then it takes a year and a half for me to go through a set of pads. So, um, those are things I learned talking to people, you know, befriending people, asking them what they think, um, posting online. And so when you make that decision, my pads cost $400. The pads that I use today cost $400. But if I do eight events, that's $400. Whereas before it was $800 essentially. So I made a lot of decisions that way. Yeah. We do a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm really regimented on that. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm cheap. No one who's seen my new car would say I did it on a budget. I did, I had a budget. It just wasn't a small budget. So I made sacrifices here and there to, you know, compromise when I built the car, you know, do I buy $4,000 worth of Penske's or do I buy red shifts, you know? So in the new car, I knew I needed to make sure reliability was number one. Cause I had a lot of reliability issues with the first car. And the weakness on the new car is the transmission. So I put a mountain of money into my transmission, but I have no other way to explain it to you. And I own two of them. I own two transmissions. OS Geiken diffs. Yeah. Two transmissions. Yeah. Everything. Two of them. I, if one fails, we're putting another one in. I'm not stopping. I don't stop. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I had a hood latch failure. Not, I forgot but I was on lap five or six at VIR going down the front straightaway, right at the kink and the hood latches actually failed slammed up onto the hood or onto the windshield, wrinkled the roof, everything. I checked my mirrors. I eased off into the grass. I slowed down before the brake markers. I waited for the safety crew. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. Went back to the paddock. My buddy, Jason's a mechanic. He goes, let's, uh, let's see if they'll let you race without a windshield. I said, okay. He goes, I'm going to start ripping the windshield out. You go down to the tech shed and see if they'll let you race. I go down. They said, you have to remove your back glass and you have to get approval by your race liaison, the head of my class. And they said, well, if you're dumb enough to do it, you can go ahead and do it. The other caveat was my face visor had to be down at all times. They would literally tell every corner worker that if they ever saw me reach for my visor during a race, they were black flagging me. If I didn't come in for the black flag, I was DQ'd. So those were the rules. So we went, we ripped the Lexan out of the back. We cleaned up all the glass and we vacuumed up the, the car and I raced with the visor down in a, basically a Honda Roadster at that point that didn't ever existed. So I, I won't quit. We're not, 
I, you spend a lot of money to go to the racetrack. You need to put maximum effort to ensure that you stay on the track. doesn't matter what happens. Just keep pushing it. So. Have you ever had any incidences with other cars on the track? I am extremely fortunate that the most contact I've ever had was a bump draft. I'm also very fortunate that my car, every time I've gone off the track and I do it in gnarly spots, turn 10 at summit point, uh, South bend at VIR, uh, hog pen at VIR. Somehow my car just stops before the tires. So I haven't had anything too gnarly happen. I've been in some, some interesting situations where you're lapping a group of six Miatas because we're out there with, it's a multi-class race that I'm in. Um, so they're out there racing for their positions, but I got to catch a guy in front of me and I'm sure not letting the guy behind me catch me. And, uh, I had to split six Miatas through the flat S's at VIR and they don't like that, but they can hear me coming. So when you're at 9,000 RPMs and you don't have a muffler, yeah. they know who's there. So they gave me way. I was lucky. Yeah. I didn't get pinballed in there, but they gave me enough space for me to squeak through. But I've been fortunate. Yep. Good. Yeah. Um, have you, um, so if you had any really spectacular races, maybe not necessarily you know, a win or anything like that, but you just felt really, really good after the race. And what happened? I've had a couple, actually. Um, I race in a region where we have back-to-back -back national champions in my class. I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. So being competitive in that class is, if you're on the podium or within eye shot of the podium, you're doing pretty well. Last year at Hyperfest, it's a big automotive race drift music festival that happens at Virginia International Raceway. I was nose to tail um, with Kevin LeClaire. He's in a S2000. That's uh, one of the perks of working for Honda. So he's in one of those Honda rent out you know, borrow because you work their cars. It's a really nice car. I would hate to touch it, you know, and bend it. You can't get parts for those things. And he and I were nose to tail for 40 minutes straight. And I never got to pass him, but it was exciting. That's also, awesome. what about, what about, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Also I had last year at summit point, we had a group of us. It was probably six of us. Um, we were all of us nose to tail for about 35 minutes of the 45 minute race on Sunday. And with about five minutes left, my transmission died. You know, the one that I spent a lot of money on that should never die. And I was yeah. in second place. Mm -hmm. So that's probably oh. the best race of my life. The car actually felt good. Um, and then shifting from fourth to fifth coming out of turn 10 at summit point, there was no fifth gear. I decided to try to find sixth gear and just limp it, see how much of this I could salvage. And, uh, it just locked itself into third gear and I was done. Yeah. Yeah. Man, 
Uh, I've had transmission issues before as well, and they had to completely change it out. But I had a whole team there who could do that because I I don't work on my own car, and so I kind of depend on uh, the expertise of the the crew that I'm that I'm with. So I'm I am envious of uh, you being able to work on your own, um, especially having built your own. That's fantastic. Can you tell us anything more about the the car that you have now? Okay. So the car that I have now, it started life getting prepped by a couple of gentlemen out of Louisiana. And they were, they were looking to take this car and do the SCCA solo Nats with it. But COVID happened and they were unable to basically finish the car and get it where it needed to be. Um, I put out a, I put out my feelers and ask, you know, doesn't, is anybody looking to sell this car? Because when the old car was certified dead, my wife and I had a four and a half hour tow home from VIR. And my wife was like, what can we sell off this car? And what's the new car and what budget would you put together for the new car? Let's see what we can come up with. So I got a couple people that, reached out and said, Oh, my car's for sale and this car's for sale and that's cars for sale. And they gave me prices, but this guy that hit me up, it was pretty cheap considering. So the COVID car spike in prices hadn't occurred yet, but I was getting the OS Geiken diff and the redshift coilovers and a bunch of wheels for basically what I could find locally for a stock car. So my wife and I piled up in my Toyota Tundra with my little open trailer and we drove over 2,400 miles in three days to get the car and come home. So once we got it, once we got it home, I started stripping it out and I had had a bad back from some issues, uh, in my youth and playing sports and stuff. And I was, I knew I had a surgery date and I wanted to get the car to the cage builder right at my surgery date so that he could have it long enough that I could get it back. And then when I was allowed to move and do things that I could start working on the car. Well, of course I got my cage done at Piper Motorsports and they magically had a opening about a week out from my surgery. So I was like, I'm not going to tell him no, because I don't know when my next date would be. So we, we towed and dropped it off and I told him how I wanted it designed. I don't think I've said, but it's a 2007 civic SI. It's an eighth gen civic. They tend to run really heavy springs in the back. So he and I engineered, uh, the cage to help support the spring perches, which I'm running 20 K spring. So a thousand pound rear spring. Um, so I've got an extra plate and cage tie into that plate to help support that area. Cause the old car had a fatiguing frame rail. I don't want, and I ran thousand pound springs on that car in the front. So I didn't want the abuse of that stiff spring and that hard motion to work on the unibody alone. I wanted to support it. So we built that with Piper and, um, I'm pretty sure I still had numbing agent 
um, from my surgery when I went to pick the car up because the next, the day after it got into the garage, after I picked it up, I was in so much pain, but the day I picked it up, it could be adrenaline too, but I doubt it's a long tow to get to this place. Um, yeah, it, it just, it worked out. The timing worked out just right. So, and then my wife, my buddy, Jason and I, it was hard on me because I couldn't crawl into the caged area anymore. And I couldn't crawl under the car for a while. Um, so my wife and my buddy, Jason, actually built the car. Um, I ordered a lot of parts. I kept track of the budget. Um, I did a lot of standing there with a coffee or a tea or something, staying warm over the winter. And we got the car built. Um, springtime came around. No more stitches. I got cleared to work on the car. I was working on it. But for the first, I'd say four to six weeks, my wife and my buddy Jason fixed, built that car. It was mostly done. A lot of finishing touches had to get done, but it was mostly done. So, nice. And then, um, are your, have you, how many races have you had this year so far? I've had one race this year down at Virginia International Raceway. Um, it's our March event is freezing cold. Um, the car's fast, but it's ornery and I haven't figured it out yet. So in this new car, I only have five race weekends on it. And somehow I lost a lot of time over the winter when I thought I should have picked up a lot of time. So, um, yeah, I have, we're recording this and I have a race in two days. So tomorrow we wrap up the car and then Friday we load it up, go to summit point. So. And then VIR and summit, some point are the, the places you've been the most. Mm -hmm. Um, what have you been to any other tracks? Yeah. So I've driven Carolina motorsports park. I've driven the old pit race. So when it was beef run and I did lap the road course, not in anger at, um, Charlotte. So what is your favorite track? My favorite track is summit point. The guys I race with would probably agree. Um, I just enjoy the monotony of it. And I say monotony. If you let it get into your head that it's monotonous, you're automatically slowing down and everyone is catching you or running away from you or both simultaneously. Um, it, there's a rhythm that you need to get into at summit point, but that rhythm has to be a level of uncomfortableness. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. There's a rhythm 
that you need to get into at summit point, but that rhythm has to be a level of uncomfortableness. So when you come through turn three and you come through turn four, if you're not deathly afraid of bouncing off of something that is in another vehicle and that's really hard and will destroy stuff, you're not going fast enough. You get to relax when you turn for turn five and you sort of relax through the carousel. But if your car is not a little bit upset coming through the carousel, you're going a little too slow. And essentially when you come around the carousel and you look at turn nine in my cars, in both of my cars, well, all my cars, cause I've had four Hondas and only two Honda race cars in all my cars. When you come through turn nine, when you hit that dip at the apex, if it doesn't unsettle your car, either your car is just physically not fast enough to get there or you didn't take it um, just right. And then there's turn 10. Turn 10 is another one. Turn 10 is the opposite direction, but it's the equal speed to turn three. If you're not going through there going, man, I hope I don't run out of track. You know, hopefully I can hustle this back over to the right at exit. So I don't run off the, you know, run through the grass. Then you did it too slow. And you can get into this monotony where you think you're fast, but I guarantee that puts, you know, not fast where you get into the monotony where you're like, yes, you know, you're going through, you're doing your motions. If you allow yourself to just go through the motions at summit point, you'll eventually watch your lap timer and you'll just take a 10th off lap after lap after lap. And so it's, it's a mental discipline that you have to have there. Um, that I, it really, I really enjoy it. So I, I was talking to some of the folks on my racing team and, um, I was at VR for two weekends in a row, um, <clears throat> last weekend and the weekend before that, but the weekend before that, the SCCA was racing up at summit point And, um, a lot of the people, that was their first time, especially and somebody else, my race team owner, who's from Austin, and he loved it. He thought it was just incredible. One of his favorite tracks now. So I've heard really good things about Summit Point. Yeah, I'm, I love it. Um, what, the team owner, were you guys running your B-Spec cars? Yes, yeah. There was um, okay. five or six B-Specs there. He was in one and then he had a customer who was renting one from him as well. Yeah. And a B spec turn four so they, should be flat out. Yeah. I'll have to ask him if he was. <laughs> should be. What, what it, kind of lap times are. At summit, my class is running high 23s, yeah. 123s. Um, I think the track okay. record is a high 22 i think um oh okay but it so summit point is highly weather dependent you need bright sunshine like bright bright sunshine that track needs to take a lot of heat and then you need like cool air temperatures and uh things things get fast as soon as it starts getting over the clouds roll over, it's done. It's also, I don't, I don't know if I doubt they, the same people pave VIR and summit point, but when it rains, oh, I said the R word, sorry guys. 
when weather f comes through, it washes the grip right off the track and it'll take a whole oh, day yeah. to come back. Um, there's sections of VIR where the weather doesn't seem to, to matter, um, as far as washing off any of the grip. And then there's other sections where it does. I don't know whether it's a sealant or anything like that. I don't know, but at summit point, if you've had it within the last week and there aren't a bunch of run groups with, with our comps on before your weekend, you're not going to break a record. You're not going to be as fast as you want to be. And one of my personal yeah. goals is to always go out and beat my time that I had there the last time. And that doesn't always happen. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Um, wh what about a track that you have disliked? Is there a track that's just like, I don't know, that doesn't work for you or you're just not happy with the layout or something? No, I, I've enjoyed them all. Um, most of all of my races have been at summit and VIR. So the other two were learning experiences. So that's sort of, um, I'm, I'm a sponge. So I just enjoyed the, the crap out of being at a new place and learning a new thing. So. Awesome. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So let me actually um, run and turn the lights Apex, on. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's the Blind Apex podcast. Okay. Um, let me run and turn the lights on real quick, though. Okay. Sorry, we booked this during sunset at my house. And um, the lights <laughs> and the sun <laughs> will bake you out of my office. So I started yep. my podcast... January, 2023. I'm currently okay. recorded over 20 episodes. I've released 18 and it's really a very selfish project. So I'm no longer a volunteer. I'm no longer getting to leech information off of all the folks that I am, uh, around cause now we're competitors. My competitors will help you. Every one of us will help you, but I will not give you the direct answer. I can't, it, not in good conscience. I couldn't say you need to do this. What I can tell you is to look at it or tell you maybe you should take your tire temps because you might need to change your alignment or something. That's how we help each other. Whereas before people would be like, you know, if the outer wall is hot, do this. If the inner wall is hot, do this. If it's hot down the middle, drop your air pressure, that kind of thing, right? We don't do that anymore. And I mm -hmm. understand why. But as I started racing, as I built my old car or my first car, it had its own personality. It was called the Civic of Doom because basically it was always causing me headaches and making lots of smoke and doing lots of things. I blew up a lot of axles in that car. And so I got a, it, the car got a large following, uh, to the point where people would come up to the, at spectator events, they'd walk through the paddock and they'd be like, Oh, it's the civic of doom. And I'd just sit in my chair. Cause they don't want to talk to me. They want to look <laughs> at this dumb car. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So now I do the podcast and part of doing the podcast is a, a mental thing for me. I need to, to go through the thoughts in my own head. Um, I have a long commute. I commute about 12 hours a week, uh, but I only go in the office three days. So that's four hours of commuting a day. When I go into the office, I have a lot of time to sit and think the podcast allows me to get those thoughts out and talk to people about them. And so, and also all the people who started following that dumb old car and the people who are like, oh, you bought an eighth gen civic. That was my daily driver. And now I want to do autocross or I want to do this. How do you make it turn? Well, I don't know yet, but I'm working on it. All those folks <laughs> like to listen because they, I want to bring people on to share their knowledge. So the blind apex podcast is a long form motorsports topic specific podcast. So we have things like budget. It's, I think it's one it is the highest downloaded um, uh, podcast right now for me is the budget one. Um, one big thing that everybody likes to talk about now is, well, we're running out of motors and this and that. So the how to do a K-swap or when you're doing a K-swap, what should you be aware of before you start buying all these parts? That's the number two podcast download. Um, I had a friend on and she wanted to talk about the basics of doing suspension setup. It ended up drifting down the uh, specifics for front wheel drive cars and that's fine. I'm sure she'll be back to talk about more general stuff, but essentially we want to, I say we, me, even my friends, even the guys I race with, we want to share a little bit enough to get people educated. Um, we did one on what is a race program and it, it could have gone for hours. We could have been there for hours and hours, but we had to keep it focused and it's not the end all be all podcast on a race program. I promise you, but I have a lot of people that I race with. A lot of people who I know who are going through comp school, they don't, they don't think they have a race program and they don't understand how to mature their race program. And so that was a big thing for us to talk about. And that's a, that's a big thing for me. Um, my race program is a big deal. My budget for me is a big deal. And then I want to learn the rest of it. So it's a selfish podcast in that it's topics that I want to talk about, but I want to share it because I get questions every day, every day on my Instagram, every day on Facebook, people who text me directly on my phone, they all ask questions and maybe I can't answer them. Usually I can, but if I can't, it's going to be a topic one day or it's already a topic and I just send them a link. So do you have any favorites for you personally? Oh, I'm, I'm too new to this game. I don't know this. I say I'm too new. <laughs> I actually, today I hit a milestone. I had 2000 downloads over 2000 downloads today, which isn't too That's bad. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, for the, for our niche, our niche of, of the podcast world, the scary thing is when you start looking into your stuff, Look how many streamers you have versus downloads. Now, for all the people that I'm boring right now, 
you should download this podcast because that's how advertisers know that you're hooked. If you're a streamer, they don't see that data. It doesn't get, it gets published, but they don't care about it. They think all the streamers are fly by night. I had, I hit 2000 downloads, but I had 11,000 streams. That's oh, wild wow. to me. What, what, what platform are you on? Um, as the platform that distributes my podcast, is that yeah. what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. So I use Buzzsprout. Yes. Um, it, it has the largest reach. Now it's a little scary, um, in that there's apps I've never heard of, and I'm not even sure who would down, who made, there's maybe five to 10 apps that are very podcast specific. Why would you make that app when Spotify already exists, iHeartRadio exists, and Apple has its own app, right? I don't know why, but it gets distributed to everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's important to me that it gets out. I had a fight with Apple. Um, I'm not sure why they, it took me uh, six weeks to get onto Apple. So it was a little rough, but. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. And well, I know, um, what's, I know you like so, to do the YouTube stuff, but I will not do YouTube. So this is a face for radio and yeah. I have a voice for yeah. print, but. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'm trying to do both and we'll see how that goes for mine, but I definitely want people to hear about your blind apex. So I looked through, um, several of your episodes and it, it, it is very topical. That's what I liked about it. It wasn't the same old thing. And it, it seemed like there was something to learn from every single one of the episodes. Yeah. And th there is. Uh I'm not the expert. That's why I have guests on. I, I honestly tried uh, to do a podcast, a solo podcast, um, just one episode by myself. I wrapped it up in like 15 minutes. It wasn't informative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a little boring. I said, um, more than I saying I'm saying it now, which is scary. And I, at that point, I knew that it was going to be guest specific and I knew my niche needed to be topic specific and long form in my 12 hour commute. I listened to all sorts of podcasts to, and, and I had plenty of time to add yours. I ran out, but there wasn't what I could find as I'm a sprint racer. Um, so I look at everything from a sprint racer's point of view. I wanted to be topical, but not Honda challenge specific. It does get Honda challenge specific because it's the class I race in. Okay. But we try to keep it at a mm -hmm. level that it applies to everyone. It's just how it works, but there's plenty of podcasts out there, but they're, they don't stick to a script and I don't have a script. I, I, try to give people a basic flow of how I'd like to talk about things. And if we go down a rabbit hole, we go down a rabbit hole. 
If we don't hit a point, we don't hit a point, but we're going to have that conversation where I believe there's always something that somebody can learn. Now I try to keep them down to an hour. I've had them over two hours. That's what happens when you have the rules committee on Well, the met, the chief, the head of the rules committee. Um, because just because it's my rules committee doesn't mean your rules committee doesn't expect the same things. It, it also doesn't mean that they won't reject yeah, you in yeah. the same way. Um, so it was really trying to get into the head of the rules committee because everybody's got a rules request they want to make. Okay. Well, let's see how they think mm -hmm. about it. So you can write your rules request in the most effective way to get it passed. So we spent two over two hours talking about that. And now we digress. Um, a lot of the people I know very personally. So we get into personal stories. Sometimes we use those as examples. Um, it's, I try to do a lot of, you know, back and forth banter with people. So. Yep. Well, how can people get a hold of you? You you said Instagram. What's your handle there, and where do you prefer people to reach out to you? Okay, so you and I had a long conversation. I still haven't started a website, so there's no website yet. Feel free to steal it if you really want it. I'm not sure. I'm convinced <laughs> that I'm going to start a website. I might, but on Instagram, it's at the Blind Apex Podcast, all one word. No underscores, no dashes, no periods, no none of that stuff. That's the, that's the very podcast specific. It's podcast news only. When you're looking for ridiculous, another ridiculous racer running around spending money, it's at garage grade race car. Also, no dashes, no none of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's where you find me. Um, you can find the podcast on any of the platforms it's now on Apple. So it's officially hit all of them. Um, yeah, but your numbers are going to probably start going up a lot faster now. Well, I, man, I, the first I'll, I'll tell you, I thought if I got 25 people to listen to an episode in the first month, like per episode in the first month, that would be something. And in the first month I had, I was averaging 80 and I was just out, out of control. Ooh. I was like, what is that? Like, where did these people come from? And then in month two, I only released four. No month two had five. So I had five episodes just cause of, I released on Sunday mornings. I try to beat the rush and also your phone's probably at your house. So it'll download on Wi-Fi and not download while you're driving to work. Um, good point. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, my phone says I use about 1.2 terabytes of data every month and most of it is podcasting. So <laughs> oh, I tried to Lord, save people. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Unlimited plans. Got yeah. out of them. So, yeah. Uh, in the second month I had five episodes and I was averaging a hundred. And then the third month, which was last month, the month of March, it just crept up and I was, 
I like a week left and I was like, I already hit my 500 downloads this month, but I've only put out four episodes. And then by the time the, the month was over, I was, you know, almost 150 an episode. This month has been, you know, 170 an episode. So I'm, I'm floored. Um, I appreciate every guest yeah, I've had on good content. I hope so. And I, honestly, I, I appreciate the willingness of our race community to, to come on and share, to include yourself. We'll be recording with you. So that I think it'll be great. I know it's, it's literally selfish. I got my blood work back today. So we're going to talk about health and fitness. Um, mm -hmm. but I appreciate all my listeners because none of them are afraid to, I will get a text message or an instant message or a direct message on Instagram. That's like, Hey, I think there's a mistake with the podcast. I've had to reload two podcasts, <coughs> but they all reach out or they're like, Hey, can you talk about this? And then I'll know they're a new listener. I'm like, I think you should go to episode three, you know? And then if, yeah. if you listen to episode three and you still need more information, I'll try to build it into another episode because I know I'm having them back, you know, and I get a lot of feedback. I get a lot more feedback than I thought I was going to get. Um, and I get a lot less feedback when I ask for it. It's weird. So I've done a couple Instagram hmm. posts. That are how like, are they giving you feedback? Um, usually they just send it to me a direct message on Instagram or... Uh, some of them okay. stalk me far enough to get to my Facebook group, not my group. I don't have a group just to my personal Facebook page. Um, I do have a lot of, I know the forums are dead, but they are the search engines are way more powerful than Facebook search engine of their own group. So when you're in these Facebook groups and you try to find an answer, it's always wrong or it's 10 people telling you 10 different things <laughs> where the forums yeah. excelled was they were the repository. They were a repository with pictures. And so I still have a bunch of forum posts going on and I have a, on Honda tech of all places, I have a plus 70,000 view thing just on breaks. So, um, People reach out to me all the time on every platform. Well, before we before we wrap up here, I just want mm -hmm. to give you one last chance. Other than your podcast, is there anything else you'd like other folks to know about, to promote, or um, to recognize anybody or any group? Oh, absolutely. So um, my personal race program is supported by IPGparts.com. Uh, James and the guys at IPG parts, they're out of Florida. They race basically everything. He races SCCA STL, I believe. And I don't know, he's in an Integra type R and he said he'll class it wherever it fits. And he's just busy building this Integra. He's been supporting my race, personal race program for a long time. Um, he's got a lot of parts, not just Honda parts. Um, some Subaru, Audi, things like that. They do drag racing too. So if you know drag racers, they do a lot of drag racing. 
Um, and then my, my wife and my buddy, Jason, they deserve all the credit. They put up with a lot of stuff from me. Um, I couldn't do this alone. I feel sorry for anyone who enters this, this arena of racing alone. Um, specifically if you don't have a supportive spouse in the racing world, it's 10 times harder. My wife makes my life super easy. And my buddy Jason is, he'll text me all the time. Do we need to do anything to the car? Do we need, what do you need to order? When's the next race? Where is it? Can I go? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, I've had really great support over the four years that I've been racing and I owe a lot to those people. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate that. And it's a pleasure getting to talk to you. Um, I was, I was so happy to talk to somebody on my drive to VIR this, <laughs> this like week and a half ago or two. And we chatted for like an hour while you were driving home from work. And, yep. uh, it, it was, it was just great to talk to somebody else, you know, in the motorsport. So really appreciate your time today. Um, and, uh, and we'll, 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 we'll meet again. I know we're going to meet right after this, I think, to, yep. to do your podcast. Yeah. Awesome. I want to thank you for listening or watching Drive to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. I absolutely love hearing from you, and I promise I'll personally respond to every comment, every question, and every request. If you want to connect, start with our website, driventocompete.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go kick some ass.